0: Hello, you are listening to Trucking 101 Surviving Your First Year. We'll talk about safety, managing your money, and real life out on the road. Our group has over 100 years of combined real world driving experience. You've got questions, we've got answers.
1: Hello, and welcome to Trucking 101 Surviving Your First Year. My name is Rick, beside me is my beautiful wife, Melissa. The podcast tonight, oh, sorry, the podcast is the beginning of a successful career. We call it uh, Trucking 101 because you can start with this set of podcasts, which is going to be basically a one through ten getting started in the trucking business podcast. And I just wanted to to reemphasize that at the start of this show, and we'll probably do that at, at most of the other st- other shows, you can actually get a, a uh, master's degree in trucking, and the of of doing just that.
0: Yeah, this is like high school, and we have other podcasts on the Let's Truck website that will get you further along in, in your career, but we... are uh,
1: like beginning college, my
0: love, not high school. <laughs> but we're the beginning. Okay, today we're going to talk about... um. How to get started in the trucking industry, choosing a carrier. But first I want to start with do you really want to become a truck driver? There are some things you want to consider when you're thinking about this career. This is not just like any other job. You uh it's trucking is more like a, a lifestyle than it is a job. Um you're out on the road for weeks at a time the starting pay is not is not great at all and uh you're you're away from your family uh it's lonely and being a truck driver also comes with a bit of a stigma they have a bad reputation unfortunately that's and one of the things that we're trying to fix with this podcast but exactly. as of right now uh, truck drivers have a bad reputation so because
1: they haven't taken the time to learn how to do their job correctly. So they're constantly in front of people that matter, making mistakes. And that's what we're trying to help you not do is make mistakes. Okay.
0: okay. Uh the way that I like to describe uh trucking is I I, I see it a, a lot like camping. If you're the type of person that enjoys camping and likes traveling all the time and having your bed right behind you when you drive by down the road, then the trucking career is a perfect career for you because that's really what you're going to be doing. I have always loved camping, and when I thought about becoming a truck driver um, and I learned more about it, I was like, this is pretty much just like camping. This is what I discovered when I was training.
2: So I loved
0: it. It's fantastic for me. But if you're not that type of person, um, this is not the, the career for you. You probably want to steer clear of it. Um, I want to talk about an article that was posted on Facebook uh, a while back, February 10th. It was written by uh, a gal, Ariel Pardes. I hope I'm saying her name right. Um, but she she wrote it in Cosmo, Cosmopolitan, and it's titled "13 Things I Wish I Knew Before I Became a Long-Haul Truck Driver." Now I don't agree with all of these. Um, But some of them are stuff you want to think about before you get into this career. Uh, She says, just like we just said, driving trucks is more like a lifestyle choice than a regular job. And that that is absolutely true. It's a totally different life. It's not 9 to 5. You don't go home every night most of the time. You're Um, not in the
1: same place. You're not in
0: the same place. So it it is going from one lifestyle to another when you become a truck driver. Another thing... Uh, number two in her article is she says don't stress about finding a job. That's also true. There are tons of jobs for truck drivers out there. You do not have to stress about finding a job at all. Right out of school there are there are plenty of, of ca- carriers that that will hire you. But since you do have all these choices coming out of school you want to be picky. You want to research your carriers and you want to see which one is going to fit you best because they're not all the same. They are different. Um. And when you do come out of school, the first carrier that you go with, you might end up staying with them for a long time, so you want to make sure you make a good choice right out of school. Uh, You could get your your first year in, and after your first year, you're you're considered an experienced truck driver. So if you don't have to hop around at first, you know, you, you get a little longevity with the company and a reputation. And that's important. Absolutely. It does mean something. You can you can get better runs the longer you're with the carrier. Okay, uh, number three, starting pay is not great. Now that is absolutely true. Uh, starting pay has gone up a little in recent years, but it's it's still not very good, especially as a trainee. When you're coming right out of school into into a new job, you're most likely going to be going in as a trainee, and they don't even really pay you a, a mileage. Uh, wage. They pay you by the by the week, and it's it's not a lot at all. It's barely enough to live on.
1: At least the carrier we we're with.
0: Well, that yeah, what we were with, but uh,
1: most maybe may different with other ones. Yeah, we don't know.
0: I've never heard of any. But we carriers. do have
1: some people that are going to be coming on that are going to be talking more about right other carriers
0: exactly. But from our experience, uh, we train for eight weeks, and uh, uh I I lived on peanut butter and jelly and ramen noodles uh, for that eight weeks of training. Uh, Rick was uh, fortunate. He came into the industry with some money in the bank, so he didn't have to starve and live on peanut butter and jelly. But, yeah, that's how much. I had just enough money to pay my rent at a townhouse that I wasn't living in, Uh, and I lived on peanut butter and jelly. But that's temporary. You know, you you get past that, like I said, it's about eight weeks, and you move on and you actually start getting a mileage rate. And throughout your first year, you usually start pretty low, and then they give you raises throughout throughout your first year and bonuses and stuff like that.
1: And you learn how to actually get from one place to the next faster so you can get loads. I don't like to use the word faster, but that's the case. When when you're not getting lost and stuff out here, you get from one point to the next without, uh, without wasting a lot of uh, time, which you right. can do. You can spin your wheels a lot when you're when you're first after. And, and you don't world. have
0: to drive fast to get places faster, you just become efficient with your time. There you don't necessarily I mean, there's a lot of guys out here that drive fast and they're horribly inefficient with their time. So they're not getting places any faster. Uh the gal that wrote the article said she started at twenty seven cents per mile, which sounds about right. And that equates to about thirty three, thirty five thousand dollars a year, so not fantastic, but okay. And she said within three years, she was making $55,000 a year, which sounds about right. If you move forward, you get raises, or you go to a another carrier that pays more, like the the training carriers usually don't pay a whole lot. But if you get your first year or two in, and you decide you want to move to another carrier, you can go to one that pays more, because they only hire experienced drivers so they can afford to pay more.
1: Experienced drivers with good driving records.
0: The pay raises, they do come quickly, um, and you can get bonus for good driving habits, being on time. No accidents, no tickets, and obviously the more experience you get, the more pay you get. Number four in her article, she says the job can be super lonely, but you can also choose to drive with a partner, and I added pet. Um, She chose to drive with her boyfriend, and she really liked it. You know, she said it was a great way to save money. Uh, So yeah, you can drive by yourself if you're the loner type, that's perfectly fine, but if you feel like you need company, you could... Drive with a partner, a uh, boyfriend, husband, girlfriend, whatever.
1: And even the carrier that you're with, that if you told them you wanted a a, uh, a team driver, would probably set you up with one that'd be close to your where you live and so on.
0: Yeah, there's some carriers that do that. They'll just find somebody for you to drive with if you don't have anybody. Or a lot of carriers let you have a pet, a dog, a cat. Mostly, they usually don't go weird with the pets. Usually, it's just dogs or cats, nothing weird. No monkeys
1: um, or hamsters or anything. <laughs> right. You
0: just have to fill out a form, and they'll let you bring your, your dog or your cat on the truck. Um, we're, me and Rick, we drive as a team, husband and wife, uh, and I don't think I could do it by myself. If I wasn't with Rick, I think I'd have to have a dog. So, a I actually lon-
1: thought I was a loner, but I found out that I uh, – I guess I did enjoy myself a little bit, but I enjoy myself much more now that Lisa and I are together. Lisa.
0: I don't know who Lisa is, but uh, I hope he was talking about me. That would be Melissa. (laughs) Anyways, (laughs) uh, if you do drive as a team, you get paid for total miles, and then they split it 50-50. So you can end up making more money as a team because you will get more miles than you would as a solo driver because you have more hours available. So that's also something to consider. Number five in the article. Everyone is shocked to see a woman driving a truck, and they will let you know it. Now, this, I don't know about other women in the industry, but as for me personally, I haven't really experienced this a whole lot. I've come across a few people that, you know, go like, you're a driver? You know, and they're all shocked and surprised with big eyes. And I actually had one guy, he walked up to me in a rest area, and he goes, have you killed anybody? I'm like, no. No. (laughs) But, I mean, that's the only time that ever happened. So that, I wouldn't consider that to happen on a normal occurrence. This woman says that people looked at her like she was a fish riding a bicycle. Now, I don't know when she was driving. Maybe there were less women drivers at at this point in time when she was doing this. But there's more and more women getting into the industry, so it's not as uncommon and you don't get as many stares. I personally, uh, my experience with the men drivers... Is they tend to be extremely courteous to me, so that they'll let me go, they'll hold doors for me. You know, it's 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 good to be a woman. There is still some silver silvery out here. Uh, they do tend to flirt a lot. I, I experienced that for sure. They, I don't know, it's something about being out on the road or being alone. I don't know what it is, but they'll they'll pass me on the road and. Uh, At first, I waved, but after a while, it was just like, okay, this is getting tiring. So when people pass me, I don't even look anymore. So you can ignore them if you don't like being flirted with all the time and you're a woman. I got tired of it, so I just don't look. There you go. Problem solved. Okay, number six. I, I wholeheartedly agree with this one. She says you should learn to like audiobooks if you don't already. Uh, wholeheartedly agree with that. Now, hard reason for audiobooks is that uh, there's a problem with a radio when you're going down the road. You know, you, you constantly go from bandwidth to bandwidth, and you have to constantly find your favorite stations. That's not really an issue uh, nowadays because most drivers have Sirius XM. Uh, it's like ten bucks a month to to run it. So, and then the cost of the radio, which is like under two hundred dollars. So the whole needing entertainment isn't that much of an issue because it's serious now. But in regards to being educated and learning while you're going down the road, absolutely. Get interested in audiobooks. You can get the equivalent of a master's degree listening to audiobooks while you're driving down the road. So you're getting paid to do your job, and you're also learning. It's 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 a wonderful thing. Anything on the audiobooks, Rick?
1: Yeah, it... I mean, even if you don't like books, you know, a lot of people don't like books. Before I started listening to audio books, I could count the number of books I'd read on, on uh, one hand. Not really, but uh, I had read a lot, and I've gone through uh, just a ton of books, and, you know, it's, you just pick the type of book you like to to read, you think you'd like to read, and, and you find them and you, you, you read them, only instead of reading, you're listening to them. At least ten hours a day, you're driving down the road. So you know, as long as you're not heavy traffic or something like that, you can spend that time listening to books. And it's a great way to. I mean, I know people. I've worked with people that that, you know, read you know a book a day, just about for their entire life. It, it read hundreds, thousands of books. Kevin Rutherford, uh, our uh, our our leader, has read you know thousands of books and continues to read you know hundreds of books. You know every month and 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 so on, and it just gives you a lot of oxygen in life if you if you have time for that kind of education you know you, you can absolutely you know learn you know bridge a lot of gaps in your life
0: yep okay, number seven in the article she talks about the truck becomes your home and um. Yes, this is absolutely true. You will be living in your truck for weeks at a time. If you're a team, maybe the longer because the longer you stay out on the road, the more money you make. When you go home, you're not making any money. So, the truck will become your home. And but and you can make it a comfortable place. A lot of trucks and, uh, that companies have nowadays, they have little extra features like refrigerators and inverters and uh some even have uh satellite TV. Just Comes with a job. You get a job with them, and you have satellite TV. So uh, there's there's a lot of creature comforts that come with uh, trucks nowadays. And uh, even if you don't aren't with a carrier that does that, you can get things to make your truck more like a home. You can buy your own inverter. Uh, You can buy little things to cook stuff in the truck. You can buy buy a a more comfortable mattress, which I would highly recommend because usually the mattresses that come in the trucks are uh, like thin, like Cot mattresses, army cot mattresses. Unbelievably, yeah. So I would definitely put that on the top of my list. Buy a mattress for your bunk. You're going to need it. Um, and uh, like
1: pillow top type things you can put over right. those mattresses instead of buying a whole new mattress.
0: Right, and and you can uh, if you have uh, a cable at your house, a lot of the cable companies now have apps so you can still watch TV like on your smart devices. Um, so you don't have to have satellite in your truck. If you have cable at your house, that's what we do. We have cable at our house and we use the apps to watch TV. It's great. And uh and starting from from this this point, something that I uh, I think is the perfect opportunity for a single person. I think truck driving for a single person is an excellent opportunity. And what I think you ought to do is you ought to uh, get rid of your apartment or whatever it is you have, unless you own your own home. You should you should get rid of your your apartment or your townhouse or whatever you're renting, and you should live in the truck. You have the opportunity to make so much money if you minimize your expenses, and you can also have a lot of fun too. Instead of taking home time, you know, in your hometown and just you know hanging out with your friends or whatever, however often that happens, once a month or so, you can request home time. Oh, Home time in different cities, and you can have fun. You can request home time in Las Vegas or Florida or or, or wherever. They'll send you wherever you want to go for your home time. And so, as a single person, it's it, it can be tons of fun if you if you don't have a wife or kids or or anything like that. So, and then on the flip side of that, if you do have a wife or kids or a husband and kids, that's another difficult thing that you have to think about. Can you handle being apart from your family and being out on the road? A lot of people can't handle it. Can you? That's something you need to think about.
1: And the, car- the big carriers, which is usually what people are going to go to work for, they're they're getting, they, they understand that much more. When uh, when I went out 10 years ago and Melissa went out eight years ago, you know, really they didn't care whether you got home to see your family or not. You know, you had to, you know, wherever the truck landed, a lot of times it's where you got to do some home time. A lot of times you're so tired if you were working hard enough and making enough money. <laughs> you were satisfied with that just to land someplace and rest for a couple of days so you can get back out there and make some more money. Yep. So there's definitely something to think about.
0: Yeah, your uh, your truck will have pretty much everything in it except for a shower and a bathroom. Um, truck stops for that. Yes. So there's, the there's rest areas, there's truck stops. Uh, one of the things that I did not know when I was going to truck school, I was talking to my mom about uh, trucking, and she was asking me all kinds of questions. And I was like, uh, I knew the answers to most of them. And then she hit me with, well, where are you going to shower? And I went, I don't know. So for those of you that don't know, you're going to shower in truck stops. All truck stops, flying J's, pilots, TAs, Petros, they all have loyalty cards. And when you fuel, you get a shower for every 50 gallons. Now, that's not to say that you drive up, you get 200 gallons, you have four showers. It's the minimum is 50. So every time you stop and fuel, you get a shower.
1: And we hope you like being in front of a lot of uh, people naked because I'm just kidding. (laughs) You get a private shower.
0: Okay. (laughs) Anyways. Uh, Yeah, so that's that. Uh, Yes, with a deadbolt and everything, so nobody can walk in on you. And uh, in regards to, to bathrooms... You're definitely going to want to plan your bathroom stops. You don't want to get caught driving out on the road with no bathroom around. Uh, I, don't want to, I don't want to go into too much details, but there are options out there for you to take care of those uh, necessities uh, without actually having the bathroom. That does happen. But one thing that we are totally against that we're trying to change is the pee bottles on the side of the road. Uh, that we don't want. You don't want to pee in a bottle and then throw it out your window and end up with all these pee bottles up and down the interstate and in truck stops, you've seen them. There are ways to take care of your needs without throwing it all over the ground. That's all I'll say about that. Okay, one thing that I absolutely do not agree with in her, her article was she says to forget about working out and eating well. I don't agree with that whatsoever. You can work out and eat well in the truck. You can have exercise equipment in the truck, uh, free weights. Uh, I have a balance board. We had a stepper at one point. I have resistance bands that are made for the truck. Um, so you can exercise in the truck, uh, 34-hour reset, 10-hour break, whatever it happens to be, sitting at a shipper, you know, waiting to get unloaded. You have plenty of opportunities to exercise. And eating well? You can – eating while well, you, can, you can make your own food in the truck.
1: Um, we'll talk
0: about that a lot more later Yeah, on. we're going to talk about that a lot more later on. We have a whole episode geared geared around that. But I just wanted to say that I don't agree with her whatsoever.
1: Okay, number nine. And it might have been true when she was dry. It sounds like she, she might have been from an old school
0: – A while back. Might have yeah. been. Might have been. But a lot of the stuff that she does say is true. All right, number nine. Uh, constantly traveling, but you don't get to be a tourist. Uh, yes and no. It's a possibility. Uh, you can get busy, especially if you're a team where you just end up driving from place to place and you don't have a stop and look around. That's a possibility. But going to back to what I said earlier, if you're a solo driver and you're single and you don't need to be home, you can you can definitely be a tourist. You just have to request home time wherever you want to request it. You can have some fun out here for sure. <laughs> even even as a team. I mean, if you don't – Rick and I, we kind of, like, bounce all over the country. We visit our family all over the country. We go to Vegas and Florida, and and we've been to several NASCAR races. We're big NASCAR fans. So you can have fun out here for sure. Okay, number 10. She says that sexual harassment is extremely common. Once again, I think she did it a little further back when women drivers were not as, as common. I do not see that as an issue, uh, me personally. Maybe somebody else might have some stories about being uh, subject to sexual harassment, but but I did not. Even even when I was training, I had to have a male trainer. And they do thorough background checks on the trainers to make sure they don't have any issues with uh, domestic violence or, or, or anything like that. So uh, that I don't think is as common as it was when she was driving. Okay, number 11. The job is very dangerous. Yes, the job can be dangerous. You're driving a large vehicle, 70 foot, basically you're driving a seven story building down the road. Um, And there's weather, you know, snow, rain, tornadoes, tropical storms, ice, wind, uh, and and it can be very dangerous. But, you know, you're going to get taught right. You're going to know how to react to these situations. And most of the time, the best thing to do when you're in bad weather just pull over. Easy. You don't you're not gonna have to worry about wrecking in bad weather if you're parked. That's true. And then of course there's accidents. There is the possibility of accidents. If you're a safe driver, you're not gonna have to worry about running into anybody else because you're doing the right thing. But there is the possibility of somebody running into you because they're doing something dumb. Um I've been on the road for eight years, Rick's been on the road for 10. Uh nobody's ever hit us. So
1: knock on wood.
0: Knock on wood. So I, I don't think you, that's something you should really worry about. I mean, you can get hit by a bus crossing the street. So, you know, if it's if it's meant to be, it's meant to be.
1: An example, uh, just watched a video recently of a uh, truck driver's dash cam where uh, you could clearly see a, a car was doing something weird coming all the way across the lane. This truck never slowed down. You have to be a defensive driver when you're in a truck. If you're not a defensive driver in a car, again, maybe you want to consider not driving a big truck. You might be a driver that runs over a car because you weren't watching what was yes, going on. Yes, you always
0: defensive. always want to be aware of what's going on around you for sure.
1: Melissa had uh, a bunch of cars that came on a, a ramp uh, one day, and she kept slowing down and slowing down and slowing down. Sure enough, somebody cut out of that line of people behind another truck. A guy decided that she was going slow enough that he could cut in front of her, and she had to slam her brakes on. I mean, people just don't think before they do things a lot of times in, in not only trucks but also in cars, and, and uh, you've got to have your eyes and ears open
0: all the time. Yeah, that's one thing that does happen a lot. People love to cut you off. I get cut off on a daily basis, and to be perfectly honest, you've just got to be ready for it. Yeah. I'm to the point where I know when it's going to happen, so it doesn't surprise me. You can You can tell by the way people are driving when they're going to do it. No, that just comes with experience. Okay, number 13, the last thing in her article. She says, even with all the downsides, there are some beautiful moments. For her, minimal expenses. She was able to save a lot of money. And she says that the view from the driver's seat is better than any office. And I 100% agree with that. This, This can be a really, really fun job. There are a lot of hardships to it, but it can be very fun. And they get
1: less and less. The hardships get less and less. With each passing year, right,
0: you get used and to it. the
1: more you, more money you make, even the hardships aren't that bad.
0: Right, exactly, yes, because you can make a lot of money in this job for sure. Okay, so that was, do you really want to become a truck driver? So some things you want to consider before you go into school. Sorry, I have a, a tickle in my throat, excuse me. Okay, so now we're going to move on with... Two ways to get started in the trucking industry, and there's a few different ways you could do it. One of the first kind of uncommon ways, we're going to have uh, Jason Dirksen explain that to you. He's he's, also, he's first going to introduce himself, because he didn't get to do it the last podcast, and then he's going to talk one way you can get into the trucking industry. Hey, Jason, you're on the
2: air. Hey, good to see you, or good to hear from you today. Uh sitting here listening to the listening to the show and i was uh the first few minutes i was wondering if i even wanted to keep doing this uh <laughs> all of the the negative things that happen out here but uh you know you got to balance all of those with all of the positive things that go on and and it's uh it really is a good uh a good industry it is a good job i really enjoy it myself um love the big equipment love uh Love driving, love see- going all over the place, traveling around and seeing all of the different things. And, you know, with almost any job you take, there's always things that you don't like. There's always things that are negative. But uh, you balance that out with uh, all of the good things here. And overall, it's a net positive. I really enjoy it. But uh, as you mentioned, my name is Jason Dirksen. I have been an owner-operator uh, for almost two years now. Coming up on June, it'll be two years, and... uh personally it is the best financial decision i've ever made in my life um it's uh it's really great i've been a company driver before that for quite a while and uh it uh it's been really good i've got had a lot of help getting started i've had uh you know uh, a lot of good uh met a lot of good trainers a lot of good uh people that have helped me uh throughout the throughout the years uh i say trainers teachers that have uh showed me what to do and and, and ex- explained to me certain things and of course you keep your eyes open you can learn a lot just yourself by by watching also so it's uh it's been real good i'm uh, i'm excited to be able to be a part of the uh, podcast here and to help uh, folks get started and to help them avoid some of the the pitfalls and some of the the negative things that may happen uh, out there and help uh, direct them toward uh, the right way to do it, the right way to get started so that they can be successful in the trucking industry. That's right, because knowledge is power.
0: That's right. Knowledge is power. Uh, So, Jason, you (laughs) got started in the trucking industry a a different way than most people do. Uh, So explain how exactly you got started in the industry and how other people can follow
2: your path if they so choose. Well, yes, that's correct. Mine was a little unconventional, the way I got started. I was living in Montana at the time, and uh, I uh, had an uncle who was uh, doing some house moving on the side, uh, big trucks. We'd actually pull a great big old house down the road, and he had a truck, and I thought, well, I'd like to get my CDL, so maybe I could help him move equipment around and help do whatever we needed to there. So I went down to the Department of Motor Vehicles, And I walked in and asked them for, do you have any information on how to get a CDL or, you know, whatever you got to do there. I had no idea what questions to ask. And, uh, so they looked through, they said, oh yeah, here's a booklet here. And they handed me a booklet and here's another one. This, this one here's for your, combi- for your, uh, general knowledge. You got to have this general knowledge here. Here's one for a uh, combination vehicles. Here's a booklet for uh hazmat. Here's a booklet for air brakes. Here's a booklet for uh doubles triples. And here's a booklet for tankers. So, uh, you read all of this stuff here and then you can take tests on it. I was like, oh my word. So I walked out of there with a stack of little booklets and pamphlets, uh, and, uh, uh started reading through those and a lot of them had little uh practice questions at the end of each section and kind of went through all those and oh a couple weeks later I thought I was uh ready for it so I went down to the department of motor vehicles and sat down there and took all of those tests about four or five different tests for all of the different things that that you had to uh take for I uh, I did take the written test at that time for passenger vehicles but I didn't um You know, I I did that also for for driving a bus. So I got all that done, and then they give me a uh, learner's permit, which allows me to drive the truck as long as there is a licensed CDL driver with me that's helping me and training me. So they're in the passenger seat, and so I took that back, and my uncle and I jumped up in his truck. It was an old R model Mac, probably mid-'70s, early-'70s, uh, there had a 13 speed Eaton Fuller road ranger and, uh, uh, old Mac motor. And we, uh, he, he, he jumped in the driver's seat first and started showing me how to, how to double clutch and how to shift and all that thing, uh, all of those things. And then after a while we swapped places and I got to practice at it. He had a, a kind of a dirt road up and down in front of his house there. And uh, so I would practice driving that thing up and down the road. I'd get to the end, turn around, and go back the other way, see if I'd get up through a couple of gears before it got to the end of it. And uh, so I just worked on it that way. And, uh, oh, a month or so later, we uh, got it scheduled. We drove up to Helena, and uh, I took my driving test. You know, you have to, uh, first of all, do your pre-trip and you, they test you on that, make sure that you know all of the things you're checked before you actually drive the vehicle down the road, um, before you start your day. So we did that, and then we uh, uh, jumped in the truck and drove around the block uh, or so. At, I don't know, about a 10- or 15-minute drive is all. Uh, they take you to different places, and they watch how you drive, make sure that you can do it properly and, and that uh, you can be safe on the road. Well, come to the end of the test, and... I passed everything. I kind of barely passed my driving test, and uh, passed everything except for the pre-trip. So I had to <laughs> had to redo the pre-trip, but that was uh, she was able to the instructor that was uh, it was a highway patrolman. Uh, she signed off that the all the other things. She said, "Well, you can do your pre-trip there in Butte. You can go down to the Department of Motor Vehicles there, and you don't have to come all the way back up here to Helena." Uh, there's somebody there that can do just the pre-trip. So if you, you complete that, then you'll, you'll pass. So I went down and, uh, took the truck down there a few days later and made sure I was ready for it and took all of the, the, did the walk around on the truck, made sure everything was good. And I was able to pass that, got my CDL. So kind of an unconventional, conventional way to do that. The most difficult part about doing something like that is having access to the truck, uh, you know, most of the companies aren't going to allow someone who's never driven before to uh, just borrow a truck. So if you have a friend or a relative that, that has one and willing to allow you to use it to take your test, uh, that's possible. There may be some places that would allow you, I've heard of, of, of some in different areas that do allow you to rent a truck for the test. And uh, so it's a little more difficult to do it that way. But then, you know, I didn't have to spend money for school. I didn't have to, uh, you know, to to spend so much time working for a particular company before, um, you know, they let me go out on my own or before they would pay off my school bill. You know, those kind of things I was able to avoid. And then, you know, I was able to start hauling equipment around. And uh, so the very first load I ever hauled in a commercial motor vehicle was uh, 85 foot beams so i had a uh an old r model mac and i had a trailer on behind me and 85 foot of beams hanging off the back there um so we had about 15 or 20 feet overhang off the very back of the trailer so i uh was a little unconventional in the way i got started but it's been good and you know since then i've i've driven over the road for a uh uh, you know, a larger carrier, uh, night transportation. I did that for about seven months. Um, I, uh, driven some dump truck. I've driven log truck a few times. Uh, I've pulled a pneumatic dry bulk tanker. I've driven school bus. And, uh, then I've got my own, uh, truck and, uh, pulled open deck, uh, for a while now. So I've done, done several different things in the industry and uh i've really enjoyed it it's uh it's been good um you know making decent money with it and uh you know the economy's been down a little bit slower so you know a little bit more difficult uh than in some years past but you know i'm able to stay busy able to keep the truck loaded enough to pay the bills and to to keep uh keep everything going so it, it it's been pretty pretty good i've enjoyed it
0: now, let me ask you, the first job that you had, was that with a particular company, or was that also through your relative?
2: Um, well, I would work for him some, uh, pulling some equipment around. Of course, he'd pay me to do that. I didn't do a whole lot there, but the first actual job that I had working for a company, I was actually pulling a set of triples from Butte, Montana, to Pocatello, Idaho, and back, uh, you know, working for uh, for an LTL carrier. So, in that instance, I was able to be home every night or every day. This was overnight runs. But, uh, you know, I had a 526-mile round trip and uh, pull a set of doubles or triples depending on what was needed at that time, uh, go down to Pocatello and back and get to be home each night. So in that aspect, it wasn't wasn't bad at all as far as being out over the road. Uh wasn't too long. I did that for about six or eight months, and then I um, ended up getting a job going over the road and drove mostly the 11 Western States, uh, for a carrier there, uh, did get some where I ran across the country, a little farther East, but for the most part ran that. And then, then I was able to, uh, to get a job as an assistant pastor. I, I'm a, uh, ordained minister. And I, you know, right now I'm, I still do a part-time children's ministry and those type of things. So I've been involved in, in church work and in ministry work, uh, most of my life also. So I did that. And then during that time, I had uh, the job on the side where I was driving dump truck for a, a fellow in the church there. So I was able to still use my CDL and, and uh, you know, be able to have some income that way and, and take care of the bills. And during that time is when I also drove a log truck for a little bit for another fellow in the church and, um, you know, was able to make, make it work that way.
0: Okay, and you're, the first company that you worked for, they didn't have any requirements as regard to schooling. They just said you have your CDL,
2: and you have experience, and you
0: have, a, and you have a good driving record. We'll hire you. Is that how it went?
2: P- pretty much. Uh, boy, that's been a while ago, and now I'm trying to remember exactly the whole all the conversations and what the requirements were. But um, you know, I didn't have a whole lot of experience behind the wheel of an eighteen wheeler, but. Um, you know, I had a good driving record. Uh, I've always tried to be very careful with that. Um, and, uh, you know, fill out the applications there. And apparently everything met their criteria, so they were able to uh, to hire me. And, you know, a lot of times those LTL-type carry, you might work a lot. You, you know, you might work a couple hours on the dock and then maybe make a short run out and back with your uh, – you know, uh, doing that. Sometimes you have P&D work where you're picking up and delivering to a bunch of stops all day long. Um, You know, and a lot of times those are shorter trailers uh, too. So, you know, it worked out real nice and it was able to get some experience that way with a big truck.
0: Right. So uh, if you have access to a truck where you can practice and take your tests, going out on your own and getting your CDL is an option and you don't have to pay for school.
2: That's true. And I don't know with the laws now changing in a lot of the states, if, if some of them are requiring that you have to go to some schools, I know they're doing that now with a regular driver's license. So, you know, when you go through high school, you either have to take driver's ed. A lot of the states are going to that type of a method where you're required to take driver's ed. Now I never did. Um, you know i was able my dad taught me how to drive and you know i just went down and, and took my test so you know i was a, a little different and i know sometimes those things are changing as the as the laws change and people become par- more paranoid about people driving i guess i don't know <laughs>
1: because there's more more people on the road that yeah. don't know how to drive
0: <laughs> i think it's just people that like to have like to think they're important by writing regulations but anyways uh that that is still an option well, in most states Yeah, that is still an option in most states, I'm sure. You just want to look at your – go down to your local DMV. They'll be able to tell you uh, what's required if you want to go that way with getting your CDL. Okay, uh, thank you.
2: Thank you
0: you very much.
2: And I would like to say that I'm – oh, sorry. Oh, go ahead. Um, I would like to say I'm not opposed at all to the training. I think a lot of times it's uh, it's good – uh, to have that extra training, have people out there that know what they do and have a, have a set curriculum to go through. Um, you know, training is great. It's good to have uh, folks that uh, can teach you the right things to do and, and avoid some of the mistakes that someone who doesn't have that uh, will possibly make. Yeah, really, because a, a small mistake
1: with a big truck
2: can be disastrous. Yes,
1: absolutely. They're you heavy, make sure. and, boy, all you have to do is something up. Yeah. Bump
0: Okay, thank you very much, Jason. Any final thoughts before we let you go? Well,
2: thank you. Well, I'm, right. I'm enjoying the show. It's I think it's a great thing that we get uh, folks to to learn about this thing, give them give them the the right information from people who've actually been out here on the road, and, and instead of just hearing what the news media has to say and what uh, you know what they see on the on billboards or or, or uh, read in magazines. But uh, so I, I think the podcast is a great thing, and I'm uh, I'm delighted to be a part of it.
0: Can- All right, excellent we're looking f- forward to future episodes with you okay, uh, we have a couple more ways for you to get started in the industry that we're gonna talk about uh the most common way is for you to go to a truck driving school, usually a third party you pay them they put you through a course and you go get your learners per your learning your learner's permit excuse me and uh you take the test and you get your c d l and then usually get hired by a big training company. That's the most common way to go through it. And it's really easy. School can be on the expensive side. Uh, I know Rick and I paid $6,000 each for our school, but you can usually get financing. Uh, if you're a former military, uh, a lot of places will let you use your uh, GI Bill. And always
1: always check and see if there's some kind of a, uh, I mean, I am I don't like the idea that my taxes are used for you know, just anybody to go out and get money from the government. But there are a lot of government programs that will get people into the right. trucking schools. Yeah. So always check on that stuff before you a out the dough.
0: And then of course, there's community college. Most community colleges have a CDL course. And if you're the type of person that wants to really absorb all the information and learn as much as you can before you get out on the road... I would go with the uh, CDL course at the community college because that's an entire semester. You are going to do a lot of learning before you actually get on the road. And I think that's probably even less expensive than uh, the third-party schools. Okay, another way to get into the industry uh, from no CDL to CDL and having a job is to get in with one of the bigger training carriers. And they will train you from start to finish and give you a job. We have uh, somebody on the line. His name is Russ. You heard him last week. If you listened to the episode last week,
1: he's part of our group.
0: He's part of our group, and he it was an instructor at one of those schools. And he's also a trainer over the road. So we're going to bring Russ on, and he's going to tell you a little bit about uh, company school. Hi,
3: Russ. Hey, how y'all doing? Uh, sorry, I was late to the meeting. Uh you know, trying to do business out here. It happens. Uh, all right. Anyway. Uh, Yes, um uh, uh I trained for a number of years for uh uh for Snyder National. Um uh, it's th- their program um uh, uh as far as I'm concerned was probably one of the toughest and one of the best uh out there cuz um you know you could take somebody who didn't spell truck and and uh at the end of it we were turning loose uh, safe drivers. Um and it, well, I uh, for the most part, we were turning loose, safe drivers. You can't can't cure uh, can't cure everybody's uh, brain. I'm trying to be nice <laughs> here. Anyway,
4: uh, <laughs> you can't be stupid.
3: Is that what you're trying to say? That, that, that's exactly what I'm trying. I was trying to say that, but I was but that's not what kept coming to that's mind. Nice, so. <laughs> <laughs> i was trying to be nice about it. So, um, but anyway, uh, one thing you said about the colleges, uh, I'm gonna pick on you a little bit. Um, uh, when I was uh, working in the oil field, we had a local college that was a CDL mill. Um, so if you're going to go the college route, I, I would definitely ask some people because we were getting some of their students, and they couldn't upshift the truck. They couldn't downshift the truck. I, I'm trying to figure out how they got a commercial driver's license. That's, I don't know if they were it, – it just it didn't make sense to me. It was uh, – Uh, They were junk as far as their skills, complete junk. But anyway,
0: Let me just add to that. As always, when when you're looking at schools, any school, community college or truck school, you want to research it and make sure it has a good reputation before you go.
1: Because you do want to be able to drive the truck. Because in order to get into your program, correct me if I'm wrong, Russ, you have to be able to at least drive the truck. You may not have to know everything, but you've got to be able to upshift and downshift that truck or or Snyder's not going to keep them, right?
3: Right, yeah, exactly. And like I said, uh, you know, uh, we took people – now, their program has changed a little bit. Uh, I'm still friends with a lot of the instructors. Their program has changed quite a bit since I was there. But when I was there, and this is – you know, this still seems to work for a lot of schools. Uh, You know, we would take them in and – you know, teach them how to shift, how to up shift the truck, how to down the truck. You know, we were we used to call it bunny hopping. I mean, we had the students out there bunny hopping around the parking lot, and that's exactly what it looked like. I mean, uh, you almost had to wear a neck brace the first couple of days teaching them how to shift the truck, and then uh, uh, you know, eventually we'd get them to where you know they could uh, uh, they could shift the truck without throwing us through the dash. Uh, and then we would take them out and, uh, we would hook them to a tanker or, uh, well, I, I taught tanker a lot, so I'd hook them to a tanker and then usually I would end up, I used to get in trouble a lot because usually I'd scare the heck out of them with a tanker because, uh, the one I pulled, we call it super surge, and, uh, um, after I'd take them on my demo ride, they'd, uh, come back to the yard and they'd decide they want to drive a van, but, Anyway, but like I said, we take them out, we teach them how to turn a trailer. <laughs> yeah, no joke. I, I, I can go into a long story about that. But like I said, we teach them out, we uh, take them out, teach them how to turn a trailer, uh, what have you. Tell them they were no longer truck drivers. They were trailer drivers. And uh, But anyway, at the end of the uh, – it was an initial two-week course, and we took you from, like I said, excuse the term, but from couldn't spell truck to uh, at the end of the two weeks, you could drive a truck, and then usually at the end of the two weeks, we take you to get your uh, CDL. And – uh Then uh, they would come back, and they had another little program, and uh, you had another two weeks of uh, some more classroom learning and uh, some more driving. So by the time you got with a road trainer, uh, yeah, you'd only been really driving the truck for four weeks, and I mean only a few hours a day for four weeks, but you had a pretty good idea. I mean, you could upshift the truck, you could downshift the truck, you could turn, you could back up, you could uh you know back into a hold you could uh pre trip i mean you could do everything that you needed to do uh uh safely um, you know and uh not scare the heck out of your road trainer hopefully uh so and i and i uh we only had a, a handful of incidences where these people would get out, and I don't think it was the training I think it was just the person we had a handful of people would get out with a road trainer and would would fail out there. Um, you know, cause this is not for everybody, you know, uh, cause these people haven't driven in, uh, you know, with Jersey barriers and cars on each side of you, you know, rolling through a construction zone at 60 miles an hour. It's, uh, can be intimidating. So, um, um, like I said, we had a few people fail at that, but, uh, other than that, I mean, it was a, uh, it was a good program. It was, um, you know, fairly easy to learn.
4: Okay.
1: Now, Russ, let me make sure, uh, I've got this straight. So, you're talking about uh, Snyder's program. They would actually take someone in who had not driven a truck, or they're taking them in from a truck school. No, no, no. So uh, Snyder did? Uh, is- now. Uh, now, n- I, now you have to have gone to a
3: truck school. When I was doing okay. it, you didn't have to go to a truck school. Now, yes, now you have to go to. Uh, now you have to have a CDL. Uh, I think, if I'm not mistaken, I think the NDOC has some kind of a CDL program. Uh, I know they do a lot of training, and they do uh, uh, a lot of training there at the OC, and they do actual CDL testing right there on their location, and that's the Indianapolis um, uh, yard. And I'm not sure if that's all Schneider-sponsored or what. Do it now?
0: Yeah. I was just going to say, Schneider is not the only place you can go to to uh, get trained and get a CDL through a company. There's lots of companies that will train you from not having no experience with a truck give you a CDO and give you a job. Uh I could I could name off a whole list of them, but a quick Google search you'd find you'd find a bunch of companies that that have uh company sponsored schools.
3: Yeah, yeah, there's about 8 or 9 of them now, I think, the last time I looked, that's been a while. Because uh, I, I sent my uh, matter of fact, I, I well, my cu- I just uh, I just hired my cousin, as, as most of y'all know. But uh, yeah, I sent him. I was first, I was sending him to one of the big schools, and he said he wanted to come to work for me. So he ended up paying for his own and going to a uh, you know a regular just truck driving school, not a big company.
1: Right, right. right. No which can be the smart way, right? I mean, if if you're if if you if you go directly to the company to be trained. Taught how to, to upshift and downshift, and, and trained, and taken out to get your CDL. You have to pay them also, and a lot of times you can work that off. But boy, it's a yeah. That was going to be my
0: question, yeah. Schneider. What did they require in order to get that pooling? Uh, did they require money uh, or some kind of commitment Yeah,
3: well, it was you could either you could either pay cash for it, and at the time it was pretty reasonable. Back back when I was doing it, I think it was like thirty five hundred dollars. Uh, which at the time was uh, they were had one of the best rates as far as if you paid for it, or you could work for them for a year, and then I think later it became like a year and a half to two years, uh, and and now they have a a uh, uh, a program to help uh uh pay your schooling off if you've gone somewhere else, um, you know they help uh, uh tuition reimbursement is what I'm trying to say here. So, but uh-huh. yeah, and and most of them are there's a there's one school now I think it's six months I think that's the shortest one I've seen, and then most of them now um, are a year to two years to pay that money back. But you know if you go to a, if you go to a, an outside school, I mean you're looking at seven to eight thousand dollars from what I've seen. So, you know a year of your life uh, or more is not too but ba- not too bad of a price to pay, and you're getting paid for that year of your life. Yeah, right.
0: Right, and the the first year, you don't really have a whole lot of options when it comes to jobs anyways, because unless you're a training carrier, you're not going to hire anybody with less than a year experience, correct?
3: Yeah, yeah, Exactly. Exactly. That you know. Even I mean, I couldn't even hire my cousin. I mean, when he got his license, he had to go to work for a different carrier. Uh, well, he could have come to work uh, here at Schneider National where I'm at, uh, but he actually went to work for a different carrier uh, temporarily because he had to get six months experience before I could hire him. So, yeah. you know, and of course that and of course he's on the owner operator side now.
0: Right. So. Uh, those are your options when it comes to getting into the industry. You have several. So you want to do your research and see what option best fits you. And then after that, once you have your CDL and you have your job with a carrier, uh, you're going to be considered a trainee. And Russ was also an over-the-road trainer. So you want to give our listeners a little insight as to what it's like to be a trainee?
3: Training? Um yeah, you mean a trainer? Oh, tra- uh, well, uh,
2: <laughs>
3: yeah. Um, you, you know, I, I actually had a blast doing it because I was one of the few people I would train. Uh, I would train men or women, and I usually had two. Uh, so I actually had a lot of fun with people. Uh, but uh, you know. Uh, um, I would take them out usually for two weeks. Sometimes I'd take them out for a week. I, uh, you know, I had a couple of students that would could just drive the wheels off a truck. Matter of fact, one guy could back up better than I could. He had been a city driver forever, but they made him go through. He had never been a road driver. But anyway, I would take them out and um, you know teach them map reading, uh teach them uh, how to deliver a load, teach them how to, uh, you know how to pick up a load, how to deliver a load. Um, you know, what to do as far, you know, earlier y'all were mentioning showers and yeah, just living out here on the road and kind of how to do it. And, um, um, you definitely want somebody that you can get along with. Matter of fact, I think I heard Melissa say that you actually changed road trainers. I think in the last episode, um, and, and I had I had that problem every now and then. I you know every once in a while there was somebody I didn't get along with, and you know if you don't get along with your road trainer, by all means say something. You know, be polite. Say something to your trainer. Say something to the company. Say, you know, I don't think that our uh, uh, I think we have a personality conflict, and let's um, you know get me with another trainer or whatever. But um, you know, and most companies are you know no problem with that, and they'll switch up with somebody but it's uh basically you're going to learn uh or at least with me, you're going to learn from A to Z basically how to live on the road, how to pick up a load, how to deliver a load, and at the end of it uh, matter of fact, on their last days, I would make them deliver one uh, pick up and deliver one or two loads by themselves without my help. I mean, I was over there in case they got in trouble, but uh w- when they left me, they were comfortable on the road uh living out here and working out here.
0: Right, and there are a lot of trainers like Russ out there. Rick was a trainer like that. He was very thorough, taught them everything they needed to know, so they could go out on their own. I changed uh, trainers because I felt like I wasn't being taught. I felt like we were they were we were just running us at, as a team, and I was just you know a body driving down the road. I didn't feel like I was learning anything, so I changed trainers. So that's that's also something that you can do if you don't feel like your trainer is teaching you anything, you can get a, a different trainer. Somebody that's actually going to teach you something. So, uh you do have options when it comes to your trainers.
1: And even after the the training's done, it's just like any any other education. You get your 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 bachelor's degree, actually get your high school education. That's a you get your diploma. That doesn't mean you're you're smart. That just means that you have a license to go out and learn. And that's what you're doing when when you get trained, you get trained properly and then you can go out and you can continue to learn which is what you're doing now by listening to these podcasts Is you're continuing to learn and working towards that almighty master's degree down the road.
0: Okay. All right, Russ, thank you very much for sharing all that information. Is there anything you want to uh, – fi- any final thoughts before we let you go? <laughs> uh,
3: not on that. Uh, uh, what you were mentioning earlier when you were reading the list, I know I didn't catch all of it. I was kind of late to the show. But I, you know we can do a whole show on um, – uh, showers, pee bottles, and living in the truck. Matter of fact, we could probably do about three or four shows on that. So when we get to that, that <laughs> that's something we, I, I don't remember. Yeah. <laughs> we do have a show
0: planned to talk about life on the road. Yeah. So we yeah. will probably spend at least one show on that. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I, I was going to say, because like I said, you were, you were sitting here going at it and I was taking notes. I was sitting there going, Oh man, I could talk for an hour on this. I could talk for, a, yeah. Uh, but anyway, yeah. Uh, <laughs> great stuff we're doing. I'm glad, I'm, uh, uh, glad we're getting this thing going. So anyway, uh, I guess that's it. Okay. okay
0: thanks, Ross. Talk to you Ralph. later. Okay. Finally, after you go through all that, you have to choose a carrier. And you do have a lot of options when it comes to even your first job. So you want to make sure you know what you want before you take your first job. And we have uh, another group member that was not on the podcast last week he was unavailable so he's gonna introduce himself today and talk about the process that he came up with to choose a carrier. Hi Matthew, you're on the air, how's it going?
4: Hey, Rick Amosa, how are you this afternoon?
0: Doing yeah. well. Oh, so uh, uh, you came me. up well go ahead go ahead and tell everybody a little about yourself first, introduce yourself and then we'll get on to the topic.
4: I've been driving for twelve years. Uh currently an owner operator. Just got bought a truck in November. Before that I spent the last year and a half. Uh as a company guy over the road. A little bit of oil patchwork. Before that I hauled a reefer and like Russ, I started at I at Schneider.
1: And I didn't realize that.
4: Be an owner operator uh, pardon me?
1: I didn't realize you got you were at Schneider. That's where you and Russ met, right?
4: No, we met at the CMC, but I started at Schneider oh. back in 2003. Gotcha. Okay. Go ahead. So, uh, basically what I come up with is, is uh, for picking a carrier, it's almost like buying a truck. You need to figure out what you want from the carrier, what you need as far as lifestyle goes. How often do you need to be home? How much money do you want to make? Uh, For guys starting out, you don't have a whole lot of choice in how often you really want to be home and how much money you want to be making. That's kind of dictated to you. Um, So basically what I come up with, I just sat down, figured out what I needed, and then pick five or six carriers. Usually go online, look at their website, see what they're all about, talk to their drivers on the road if you can. Um, If you can't, just call the recruiter, email the recruiter. Most recruiters are really good about getting back to you since drivers... Whether or not you believe there's a driver shortage in the industry is, you know, I don't believe there's a real driver shortage in the industry, but some say there is. I think so the recruiters think they're... Basically,
1: they fast.
4: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, and then I just ask whatever, if I need to be home, say, every other weekend. And the recruiter says, well, we really need our guys to be out, you know, for three weeks at a time. And I say, well, I really need to be home every other weekend. And then they like, their famous phrase is, we can work with you. <laughs> as soon as I hear, you can work with me... Um, you're probably going to work with me for about three months and then we're going to have a problem. It's, it's,
1: right. Because they'll say whatever... I don't know right what you now. guys...
4: Experience. Pretty much. Yeah, they'll They'll say whatever they need to to get you in the door. Yeah. But I just... I So after... I usually whittle it down to about three carriers and then... I always, personally, I always ask to see driver pay stubs from drivers, even as an owner-operator. I ask to see owner-operator pay stubs. Most companies are very reluctant to give you this information until you are very clear that you don't want personal information. You just want to know where the numbers stand, and it's usually pretty easy to get that information from, from carriers. And then you can see where you stand at the end of the week and formulate more questions from there because, as everybody knows, you know, a guy that made $800 this week and only worked four days is a lot different than a guy that made $800 and worked seven days.
0: Right. And uh, um, one big I go- thing through- oh, sorry, about earlier was, yeah, your big thing, I know we talked about this earlier, when you're going through this process, you want to make sure you write everything down, your questions and their answers, so you don't have to rely on your memory, correct?
4: Right. I have, I still have, um, somewhere on here, a list of carriers for jobs that I looked at a year ago, because you never know when you might need to go back and look at that again. There's not much changes in this industry. If The company's paying, you know, 40 cents a mile this week. They're probably going to be paying 40 cents a mile five years from now. Yeah. Um, But it's just, it's easier when you compare, you write things down instead of keeping it, instead of keeping stuff all in your head. Because when you keep stuff in your head, then you remember the highlights and you, the negative things that, that the guy said, and then within a couple of weeks, you're, Having problems because he told you that you didn't want to hear it, so you blocked it out of your memory.
1: All right. Of course, when it comes to the recruiters, uh, one of the most famous things one of the most famous things I heard from from my dispatcher. I uh, I, I said to my dispatcher, "Well, the recruiter told me," and he cut me off right about there. I don't care what the recruiter told you. This is the way it is exactly. now. Yep. <laughs> so you got that I, is I'm very, not that's how you, how very you true. get around that. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But uh you got you got to kind of that I guess that's where the talking to the drivers come from when you know if you can find some drivers out here on the road, that's probably I would think I didn't have that opportunity like you did when you when you you went from being an owner operator to to try on the company driver thing and then decided to go back to being a, an owner operator and bought this really cool truck.
0: Well, for him me, it was a financial decision, but we won't get into that. Yeah.
1: But uh it you know you you know you can go yeah, out there and talk okay to them. Well.
0: With.
1: <laughs> yeah. The, the the guys that uh they can actually go out and find truck stops and and go out and to those truck stops and talk to the to the guys out there. I'm, I'm sure that that most guys like with Schneider and And Warner and and Swift and and all these companies, if you walked up to them in the pumps and said, hey, I'm thinking about becoming a truck driver, they would talk to you about their company. But,
0: yeah, yeah, when you're going to do that, you want to talk to a lot of people because everybody's going to have a different opinion, some good, some bad, some indifferent. So make sure you talk to a lot of people if you do that.
1: Yeah, and pay pay attention to their mood, too, because they might be mad at their their, uh, carrier at that time. Right, and
0: if they say it's a horrible carrier and they don't like it, ask them why. Because the reason that they don't like it might it might not bother you. So make sure you know why they like their carrier or why they do like their carrier. Always ask why,
4: right? Right. And another right, thing, too, is if if you have questions of – I'm trying to think of an example now. If a recruiter tells you our guys are working five days a week and the odd Saturday – you might want to ask if you could talk to the dispatchers. are usually pretty honest with you, especially if you're a new hire. The last thing the dispatcher wants to do is fight with you once you get there because the recruiter because it said, oh, the recruiter said I'd be home Friday by 5. And the dispatcher yeah. says, so if you could talk to dispatchers as well when you before you just make your decision, it, it really helps. I know there's a few places uh, that I looked last year that – you know, everything everything sounded too good to be true and I asked to talk to the recruiter to the dispatcher and the dispatcher's like, no, that's our guys leave Sunday, there's no question. You know, it's, at that time it wasn't something I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Right.
0: You never want to take a job based on just what the recruiter says. You want to talk try to talk to other people in the in the company as well. When I don't I think a lot of people like, yeah. just... Oh go ahead, Rick. Go ahead. No, you go ahead.
4: Okay, when I started out, I went to driving school. um, And then the driving school had a job fair. And that was really, if you go to a job fair, it's really good because you can get all the carrier's information all at once. And you can um, write it all down. You can kind of scratch. It saves you a lot of legwork because they all basically give you the same information with, of course, we're the greatest carrier come work for us. But right. uh, job fairs are really good places to go when you're looking for a, for a drive for any job, really, even not a driving job, because it saves you a lot there you of legwork. yeah, good tip. Carriers aren't usually um, in the easiest places to
0: get to. Right, right. All right. Well, that's that's really it's really good stuff. Uh, any final thoughts before we uh, wrap this thing up?
4: My biggest thing, if you have a, there is a doubt in the back of your mind on should I go with this carrier, just do some more homework. Because if you have any doubt at all, um, there's there's probably a good reason. You know what I mean? If you you have any kind of negative feeling about, oh the guy's lying to me, or maybe that's something I really don't want to do, or you're just uncomfortable with something you've been told, just ask more questions. If the recruiter stops communicating with you or gets frustrated because you're asking too many questions, probably a good sign that it's not a place you want to work.
1: Good point. Yep, good point. Good
0: point. All right. Thank you very much, Matthew. We uh, look forward to doing future podcasts with you, and uh, this is going to be a lot of fun, I think.
4: All right. it's good talking to you guys. Right. I think
0: I think I cut him off a little bit there, but uh, he was just saying goodbye. Um, so that's that's how to get started in the industry. We take you from getting your CDL to choosing a school to choosing a carrier. And just remember, uh, you have a lot of options with everything. We, we went through a bunch of them today. Uh, there's not just one way to do anything. And um, when it comes to choosing a carrier, uh, know what you want to do before – you choose one. I mean, do you want to do long haul? Do you want to do short haul? You want to be a team driver? You want to do flatbed, doubles, triples, uh, you know, day driver. Uh do your research and figure out what exactly it is you want to do before you start your job. You have a better chance of, of being successful within your first year if you know what you want. Any final thoughts, Rick?
1: Well, I uh just sitting in here listening to this and uh listen to everybody talk about this. The 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 one thing that everyone needs to understand is that when you decide that you think that this is the career that you want to start, it's time to get organized. It's time to ask questions. It's time to make sure the things you, you're doing. If you go if you if you from the very start, you know, make sure that you know exactly what you're doing with everything. You're going to do the right thing. If you just get out there and kind of throw yourself into the thing and take what comes. You're going to get what comes, and it may not be something you like. There's a lot of people that go into this industry that don't make it past their their first year because they didn't start out right, and they never got on track, and they never asked the right questions, and they ended up in the wrong job, and they ended up in the wrong truck.
0: And they could have lost out on a very successful career because they didn't get started right. That's right. So remember, if you have any questions, go to Facebook and search for Trucking 101. We have our Facebook page there, and you can ask any questions, offer topics, comments, suggestions, anything. Remember, that's Facebook, Trucking 101. Thanks, everybody.